And SMU, let's start with the Mustangs, and they go from one transfer quarterback in Shane Bouchel, and it looks like they may have found another diamond in former Midway Panther and Oklahoma Sooner Tanner Mordecai. He lit up the sky for the Ponies. Yeah, he sure did. Seven touchdown passes to set a single-game record for SMU in his debut, his first start of his career. And, look, I mean, you guys uh, have seen a lot of him and, and know the type of player he is, and he just needed the opportunity, I think. Uh, kind of had a couple Oklahoma fans in my mentions over the weekend saying they wish he would have stuck around. But uh, all jokes aside, he really put together, I think, one of the cleanest performances you could have asked for from a uh, first start. Uh, granted, Abilene Christian, not necessarily world beaters at all, but uh, he was efficient. He was clean. He you know, delivered the football on time, accurately took some hits to make some plays, showed arm strength, showed touch. Um, showed some swagger, and overall, I just thought it was a really, really strong performance and a good tone setter for uh, the type of season he could have. You, you mentioned kind of season he could have. What, what, what do you see from this SMU football team? What is, what is the, uh, what's the potential for this football team, in your opinion? Uh, they've got you know conference title aspirations, and I don't really think they're off base with that if they can stay healthy. You know, everything goes through Cincinnati and UCF, uh, especially Cincinnati. Uh, but, you know, this is a SME team that has some depth. They've got talent. Uh, they've got a really good defensive coordinator, Jim Levitt, who had a good debut as well. Some things to clean up there overall. But, I mean, if they put this offense together like they think it can really go, you know, against quality opponents and be consistent and play clean, I mean, they've got a chance to win a conference title just like Cincinnati, UCF, maybe even Houston um, and Memphis. So, I mean, it's a really, really strong football team that has some depth, and uh, I just think uh, that's, that's their, those are their goals, and that's what they need to be focused on in a way. You, you talk about the defense only giving up nine to ACU, and look, I know the opponent is Abilene Christian, but still the defense had a long way to go. Uh, in the off season, did it feel like that they have kind of figured this thing out, and, and at least they're hitting their gaps and, and they're fitting in the right place and, and being able to understand what's asked of them in game number one? Yeah, that that's a great point that you bring up. That was the thing that stood out to me the most. You know, the how well prepared they were. Uh, the game plan was fairly simple. You know, this is a that certainly was a matchup that uh, they could win. You know, just by out athleting them uh, overall and. I think they did that. You know, they Abilene Christian had one or two sustained drives against SMU, but for the most part, it was pretty cut and dry. You know, SMU dominated the line of scrimmage. They controlled that. Um, they uh, got off blocks. Their front three in this 3-4 defense were really good. Uh, just it, it was a clean, strong performance from that entire group. Rushing-wise, still 171 yards on the ground. We talked about Tanner and what he was able to do with the seven touchdowns, but also being able to gather up 171 yards on the ground for this Pony offense, uh, that's another good sign moving forward too, isn't it, Billy? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that's, uh, you know, an area I think they want to improve on. Uh, they kind of used a complete by-committee approach, which is fine. You know, Ulysses Bentley, I think, probably wish she had a little bit better of a night just overall. Um I think uh, Tyler Levine showed he can be a powerful guy. Trey Sigurds probably had the best night. And then their freshman, Brandon Epton, really flashed too and had his first career touchdown. So I think they want to improve in the run game. I don't think that was the performance they were looking for by any means. Um, and, and they need to get a little bit better uh, performance from Ulysses Bentley, just in my opinion. But 
first game, you know, they, they had uh, four or five starters playing. I, actually, I think all five starters were in different spots, but the same five starters from a year ago. Uh, they just shuffled up the entire O-line. So working out the kinks on that, and they just need to be um, more physical and, um, you know, I, I think move guys off the ball. Billy, uh, off the field, uh, what what's the word around the league when it comes to the conversations of Houston and UCF and, and, and maybe Cincinnati uh, leaving for the Big 12? Yeah, that's a tough thing. You know, I think SMU and a lot of the programs in the league uh, were looking at it like, look, we've got a good league, a really strong league, actually. If things stay the course and nobody jumps ship and um, – you know, the 12-team playoff especially comes to fruition, which you know, prior to all this stuff, it looked like it was. And then they would kind of go from there and see, you know, would the Big 12 expand? Could they grab teams from that? And that kind of all threw a wrench in it. And I think most part, for the most part, the Houston thing has really thrown people for a loop because uh, it's kind of, I think, surprising given the on-field play of Houston the last couple years. But – you know, it, it's something that now sends the entire league kind of into a, a frenzy. You know, do you, do you work towards the next round of Big 12 expansion? Do you add teams right away? Do you Because this is a league that has an ESPN contract. Um, it was building a good um, national brand, I think. Uh, and, and now it's kind of all in question. And they had kind of pushed their chips in on themselves. And now uh, that's kind of all up in the air, quite honestly. A little bit of a rivalry game coming up Saturday at Gerald Ford Stadium with North Texas. Is that still a pretty big game between those two schools, just for bragging rights, if nothing else? You know, I think it's a bragging bragging rights game. I don't know if it really is a rivalry, and I say that because it's just been so uncompetitive, right. quite honestly. You know, just for, for the entire time, you know, whereas even though TCU's kind of had that resurgence uh, in the rivalry, that one kind of goes back a while where – could go you know either way in a way so uh this one uh a lot of people though on smu side at least don't consider it a rivalry but it's definitely one that uh i think more pressures on smu to win take care of business not let them you know kind of off the mat like they did a few years back when smu fell off under june jones Mm -hmm. um and and so now you know it's kind of order has been restored at least you know on smu side of things under sunny dykes and that's kind of what they expect to continue this weekend Let's uh, switch gears and, and talk a little uh, LSU football uh, in Baton Rouge. What, what's what's the pulse like of the uh, of the Tiger fans? Oh, uh, <laughs> the, they want you know Ed, Ed Ogeron said in the past we coming. Well, the, the fans want change coming. Uh, I'll, I'll say that you know it's <laughs> and and the thing about it is is it's not it just doesn't look doesn't look like it can be fixed easily. Uh, struggle on the offensive line. The evaluations there under James Craig were pretty bad, which is why they're thin and and the talent level isn't where it needs to be. Um, defensively, the linebackers look slow. You know, when you get in the SEC play, Lane Kiffin, uh, Bill O'Brien, those play callers are going to eat that up. Uh, it, it's it's a situation that, you know, where do you go from here? They've got to, you know, rather what should be easy non-conference games to build some confidence and get these two first-year play callers, you know, on the right track, at least moving forward. But a lot of questions. And, um, you know, the PR of the program hasn't been handled well since 2019, that's for sure. And it's probably making things even worse for Ed Ogeron. Billy, do you think that that for Ed O, the poaching of his coaching staff that he had put together 
is finally catching up with him more than anything else? Yeah, I do. I, I, I think um, I, I think you saw some of it coming, but you know Joe Brady just kind of his agent and him you know, did the right thing in my opinion. He wanted to be in the NFL. He was a hot name. He knew what he probably had coming next year, and he wanted to get out, and that's what he did. So you can't blame him. Can't blame blame Dave, Dave Aranda for finally getting his shot at a head coaching job. But I mean, you look at some of the other you know, hires he's made in the past with Bo Pelini and, you know, keeping Steve Insminger and bringing in Scott Linehan, nothing really inspires anybody. Um, and, and that's the thing. And recruiting has suffered, in my opinion, in terms of evaluations and hitting on some of those diamond in the roughs. You know, LSU fans do a rather good job of reminding people that, you know, Justin Jefferson was a two-star. You know, he was, you know, the last ad. He was he brought was brought into school in, like, August – third and made made grades you know that that's they they have some of these diamond in the rough guys but they just don't recruit the elite prospects as well as some of these other national teams so that's hurting them offensive line recruiting it's a it's a bunch of things and you really need somebody who can organize at a very very high level at the very top and quite honestly knows knows how to build a program and and recruit well and do all those things and quite honestly, right now, Ed Ogeron is not doing those things. When they play McNeese State on Saturday, I'm reading an article, uh, they're going to be shorthanded because of injury. How will that affect their game plan as they as they get ready for McNeese State? Yeah, the offensive line is going to be without two starters in Cam Wire and Austin Deculus. And so right off the bat, you're trying to you know build this continuity, continuity on the offensive line that was banged up in fall camp and needs all the reps they can get and you're not going to get that and then you're missing veterans like john emery one of their starting running backs john trey kirkland who's probably would be third or fourth wide out um some other vets that can contribute so it's kind of a a tough situation because they need these reps in the non-conference games to bounce back but they could still be learning on the fly come sec play Billy and Body, SMU 247, LSU 247. Hey, Billy, appreciate the time very much. Appreciate you making some time for us and hopping on. I know you're very busy today, but uh, have a great afternoon, and we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. Okay.